What up? This is Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, man, we went back into the music realm. I was fucking stoked to do it, dude. We brought you guys the lead singer of the hit band Dramarama, John Eastdale. And it was a goddamn honor, man. I had no idea, man. We talked after this podcast um, a little bit. He grew up literally like fucking, like a block over from where my childhood house was. Like literally a block over. I mean, he didn't grow up there, but he bought his house there. And I was like, dude, if I knew you were there, I would have fucking been in your garage, stealing all your shit. Fucking, you know, been over for bonfires. You know, fucking tell me all the fucking stories. How much coke did you guys do? I would have I would have been like stoked about just hearing all the shit like that, you know? Um, But I had no idea. So, but bottom line, the dude's a fucking awesome guy. They're still playing, which is crazy, man. And um, in fact, they're playing... This is going to come out today, Friday, October 28th. They're playing tomorrow, Saturday, October 29th in San Diego. And I'll be at that show, man. It's going to be fucking awesome. So if you guys come out, say hello. And um, that's it, man. I don't want to ruin the rest of this fucking intro. So without further ado, I bring to you the lead singer of Dramarama, John Eastdale. Alternate take. What is up, guys? We are back and we brought you guys a special guest. We brought you guys the lead singer, the leader of Dramarama. Mr. John Easdale, how you doing, sir? All right, so yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Interviewing John Easdale right now. I mean, life's not too bad. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. Dan. Of course, of course. Well, um, had to have you on for multiple reasons. Uh, one, big fan of the band, always have been. Um, just like I'm sure a thousand people have told you before, it's a, you know, just hearing your 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 biggest hits and how they're popular in people's cars and and in their homes and whatnot. Um, but what I like to do. Whenever I speak to someone, sirs, I like to start from the beginning. I always like to start from how the band was formed, but even further, your childhood, where you grew up, and all that stuff, and how music came into your life, sir. So if you don't mind, let's just go to the beginning of Mr. John Easdale. Not at all. I grew up in New Jersey uh, and had a pretty normal childhood, you know. I, uh, you know, was a difficult teenager with my folks, but, uh, you know, I enjoyed rock and roll, and I started singing, and uh, you know, I, I love rock and roll from, from a very young age, from like four years old or something. I think I went, I went nuts. First band I really went nuts about was the monkeys. Uh, and then the Beatles, cause I was too young for when the Beatles came out. So I saw the monkeys on TV and I was like, ah, oh, I gotta do that. And that was the beginning. <laughs> and, um, two doors down from my house was a guy named Mark Engler who played who 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 as I, I knew from you know as soon as i was old enough to go outside and uh he and i have been friends for 57 years and he he um started to play guitar when we were young and he's still uh the guitarist in Dramarama and has been for the entire 40 year uh history of the band so far um yeah, it's it's mind blowing to me that you know that anybody's ever heard of us, much less you know that we're still doing it forty years later. It's 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 kind of wacky, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if that that's a good start. Anyway, it is, sir. Absolutely, that's awesome. How did the rest of the band get formed? Uh, where, where were you guys uh, jamming out from? Was it someone's garage, or where did it start out? It was actually the basement of a um, record store that the bass player owned uh he owned like a rock and roll record store in in our hometown and so mark and i uh started recording in the basement with him 
uh, and we were recording songs I wrote and I was actually playing drums at the time. And then we brought in Peter, the guitar player who has also been with the band now since we started. Uh, so we still have three of the four original members <laughs> playing on stage when we get together. And uh, yeah, we're, 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 you know, and I was the first of, of, of many, many drummers over the years. Wow. Friggin' awesome. Um, when, when did you guys start getting your first gigs? How did the notoriety start coming in? When did you guys start getting noticed and all that good stuff? You know, uh, in 1982, we started playing live and, and going in the studio and, and we made our first 45. I think it came out in 1982. Then we made like a 12 inch EP that came out in 1984. We just recorded it ourselves and put it out ourselves. Then we were, um, there was a DJ in France who, who, who started playing our, our records and uh, he got us in touch with a label in France called new Rose. And they put out our first album, Cinema Verte. And it was on a French label and it was an import and Rodney Bingenheimer in Los Angeles bought it at a record store. Cause he liked the cover. Excuse me. Hello. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> You're kid. He, thank you. He, he bought it at a record store in, in Pasadena called Poobah's because he liked the cover. It was a picture of Edie Sedgwick. And um, he started playing on his, on his weekend radio show. He was on Saturday and Sunday nights. And then the radio station he was on K rock in Los Angeles, they started playing a song, anything, anything, you know, in heavy rotation, I guess they call it. And it, it, uh, it became a, a big, you know, very popular. That's what's, that's what's uh, interesting to me is uh, I thought the same thing about your guys' cover. I loved it. And that's always been huge to me as a, as a music buyer, when I, especially as a kid. When you go to the store and you go to your favorite record store and you, the album cover appeals to you so much. Like you, it doesn't even like when you're little, your brain doesn't even comprehend what kind of music it is in the, in the beginning. You're just looking at the covers. It's all that's the first impression. And mm -hmm. I love your guys' al album covers, man. You guys always fucking killed it. How much how much thought went into that? Well, you, I always did try to put some thought into it. We were trying to go for an Andy Warhol vibe with that first one. Uh, but yeah, always, always very important album cover, you know, because especially back in the day when album covers were, you know, giant size, you know, it was very much good advertisement. Um, when they became CD covers, it wasn't nearly as as impressive to me <laughs> yeah definitely absolutely um how much how much pressure did you feel um or not pressure in any in any form of being the leader and, and writing the songs for the band i always feel like that's the part of the most difficult part um i played music my whole life but that for me that has always been the hardest part for me being vulnerable enough to write down lyrics share them with your friends work on them try to make something be in sync i've kind of rather just play guitar and just like not have to worry about stuff like that or play drums or not have to, the small details like that. How much was that a, you know, pressure for you? At first, not at all, because it was just something I did. You know, I, I didn't think about it as, or, or the pressure of it or the, the burden of it at all. Um, as the years have gone by, I, 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 I've come to realize that I, that I, that I took on more, I took on the lion's share, if you will of the responsibility for, for, for the music and, and for the band's sound and stuff. Um, and now, you know, even more so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing everything. We don't have a manager or, or, uh, or an, you know, we're, we're, I'm just, uh, like you said, I, I, I never took the role, but, I, but I've just basically become the leader. Wow. I love that. That's awesome though. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's John Easdale's legacy. I love it, man. It's fucking, it's really cool. Um, when did you guys come down from uh, from Jersey and you guys started doing more work in LA? Well, it was 1986 and Rodney's started playing us on the radio and then the radio station started playing us and we were invited out for a show and and it was like September of 86 and we came out and we weren't, you know, we weren't doing anything in, in New York or, or on the East Coast. We were just playing in the neighborhood and to audiences that mostly consisted of strangers and our <laughs> Our, our girlfriends and, and family members and uh we yeah we, we we came out to california and we were selling out concerts and and you know it was a big deal we were on the radio so we decided to stay and we've been here ever since pretty much that's bananas um walk me through the the your first record um you know this is this is your song like you mentioned earlier anything anything is literally on the radio I would say at least five, six times a day, just in LA on, on just one station. It might on Jack FM. I may, I might be on there at least five or six times just a day. Um, how much has that song affected your life? I mean, it's, it's the one thing that, you know, I've, I've heard it since I was a kid. I, everyone has, I mean, since you're, you, I used to watch my parents like sing it to each other in the car and whatnot, you know, it's just an iconic song. Um, was it personal for you? Was that song like written about somebody else or is it just like a, a song you felt very passionate about? Oh no, that's, that's, right out of the ripped out of the, the, the pages of my life that's that that was an incident that that took place with with uh, the first girl that i was married to and uh i we moved into an apartment a, a one room studio apartment and in the same building as i used to live in with with the band and the band still lived upstairs which i, I don't recommend <laughs> um we we were teenagers she was working at McDonald's. I was working at a record store and we, we thought true love was going to conquer all, but it didn't. <laughs> and, uh, one night we had a fight and she called her dad and he came over and, and uh, actually he had a gun. Uh, he was going <laughs> to shoot me. I thought, I thought he was going to shoot me. Luckily he didn't, but that's where that song came from. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's very odd. It, it's taken on a life of its own. Like if you look on YouTube, there's, there's, dozens if not hundreds of different people who who've, who've put up their own version of it and um there have been other bands that have recorded it uh, uh buck cherry recorded it for a movie called road trip it just it's taken a life of its own and, and and it's it's bigger than the band actually you know um people know the song that don't know who the band is that sings it and that's fine I, i'm 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 so glad, you know, you hear people, you know, kind of say, you know, insultingly, oh, that one hit wonders or something. Well, first of all, that was never really a hit except on one radio station. And, you know, it, it, it's better to have one than none. So we're, we're, <laughs> we're still we're still riding on that uh, wave. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys have a lot more songs than that, man. I, you know, I, I guys, I dig your guys' tunes, man. I always have. Um what are we gonna do? Is one of my favorite songs, man. I think that song rips. I like you guys, and you just came out with a new record, if I'm not mistaken, right? 2020 or so. Yeah, when with 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 our typical perfect timing, it came out right as the the pandemic started to to blow up. It came out May 1st of 2020, so wow. we were we were right there, and, and when everything shut down, we 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 had already decided to put the record out before the pandemic, so. We were kind of locked in and, and and married to that date, so that's what happened. Do you find it easier to, to make music now that now you guys all have had your kids and they're all grown up now, and now it's you have more free time to do you? Like we, I remember growing up. Um, I grew up in um in Whittier, and we had a band right next door to my house, 
uh and they were awesome they're my favorite band they came out with one record they're called griffith projects awesome band they're on k-rock you know and after their first record they had to stop i mean it was because their kids were young and they had to take them to practice you know for soccer practice or school or and now they have mortgages and stuff and it was like we're not it's too hard to keep it going especially when the kids are young but did you find it easier later on in life to like you know make it all make it all happen once again we've been i mean i've been so fortunate and and and, and lucky that I've been able to make, you know, a living with the music. You know, I, I didn't, once we moved out to California, I didn't have to go get a job anymore. My job was, was singing in a rock and roll band. So that, in that sense, you know, it, it, that's, that's the way it's been for, for a long time. Uh, honestly, I think in some ways, like writing songs was a lot easier when I was younger and there was a lot more turmoil in my life and there was a lot more, you know, drama <laughs> and and I and and a lot more, you know, uh, the pain and suffering of growing up w w w was a lot closer uh, in in the rearview mirror. So it, it, it's a good um, inspiration for for songwriting. So songwriting now is a lot harder because I am comfortable and, and my kids are, you know, I'm 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 good, you know, and and I don't have as much, you know. Uh, you know, turmoil in my life so i, <laughs> yeah. I have less things to complain about right no that's very true that's like um um a big uh mma boxing fan and there's a i forgot who said it one boxing quote where he's like it's hard it's like once you get like the belt it's hard to wake up and have that fire um when you're waking up in million dollar sheets and and in pajamas you know it's a little bit different like you you're the drama you have in your head when you're young is always different it's always different it's always better i mean especially coming from jersey i mean the this the People that wrote from Jersey for some, I'm wearing Springsteen shirt right now, just to, just to represent. But um, I don't know why there always seemed to be a hell of a lot of writers that came from Jersey at that time. Is there like a a reason? I always heard it termed like, um, when you grew up in Jersey, you kind of feel like the JV team because you see varsity right next door in New York, and it's like you always want what they have. So in a weird way, you kind of work harder because you just want to prove to them that you're just as good as them. Is that some? Does that have something to do with it by any chance? Well, New York and Philly are, are, are both, you know, these huge cities on, on on one end of New Jersey and the other. So I think there is a little bit of that because all the television, all the radio comes from those places. There, there really is no, you know, New Jersey doesn't have its own. I mean, it has its own identity, but it's not as well known as New York or Philadelphia, you know. It, it, so, yeah, I think there's a little bit of that, what you what you say. Um, I don't know. I I, I I never really thought writing songs and, and, and growing up as a teenager that the kind of songs I was writing was were going to end up on the radio or whatever, because in New York, they had really terrible radio stations that didn't play really good. I mean, I don't know what I considered to be really cool music. You know, they did play Bruce and they played Billy Joel and they played Led Zeppelin and they played, you know, all these old classic rock guys, but not you know, cool new music or what I thought was cool new music that was happening in New York at the time. Like you never heard the Ramones on the radio. You never heard the talking heads on the radio until years late, you know, like their fourth or fifth album, you know? So it, it was like, there was all this cool music coming out and punk rock and, 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 and new wave and none, none of it was on the radio. So I was, that was kind of my, my, my corner that I, that I was, was heading in. That was my lane. And I never expected to get out of the garage. I never expected to get out of the neighborhood. And, and so all of it is, is just so surprising. And, and I still have to pinch myself every once in a while <laughs> because, uh, 
you know, it, it is a lot easier now. We, we have concerts and people call up and, and, and say, you want to play here? You want to play there? You know, I, I, we're, not, we're not working hard to try to get gigs. And, you know, we're, we're really lucky. That's so damn awesome. Um, from your guys' like when you guys were killing it right in the beginning, right? And you guys are super like famous. What were the bands you guys were opening for at that time? I mean, I'm sure you must have been getting hit up by a bunch of people to play some really cool venues. We opened for the the psychedelic furs and we opened for the cult. Um, we didn't do as much opening as we, I mean, we also had a lot of bands open for us too, like Jane's Addiction opened for us, Smashing Pumpkins opened for us, Radiohead opened for us one time. Uh, it's just weird, you know, it's, to see them go on to be these superstar acts and, you know, we're still doing what we do and, you know, it, 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 it's just weird, but it, it's it's wonderful. Haven't having been like um, superstars in the 80s to now. Do you think it was easier to be a superstar back then or easier to be one now, um, especially with the writing process? I feel like because uh, I hear some people say sometimes like oh, if social media existed back then, it would be way worse. Like everyone would get in trouble. And I was like, yeah, but that's the reason why they didn't, because it wasn't around and you got to be more yourself and be more creative. And kind of be more honest with everything that was going on. Now it felt like you have such a tight rope to walk with everything going on. Do you think it's easier to be a musician now, or like when you guys were coming up? Well, I think it. it, it that's you know that, that there's 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 good and bad in in in, in the rise of technology and and uh, and the internet and 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 just computer recording. You know, it's a lot easier and cheaper to to record now. You used to have to go to a studio and you know, pay anywhere from a hundred to $200 an hour to record. And you had to buy this tape that was two inches thick and it, it was a whole process. And, and, and it, it kind of, you know, you either had to spend a lot of money or you weren't going to do it, you know? And that's what we did when we started the band. We, we, we all worked day jobs and, and, and spent our money on going in the studio. And, um, and that's why record companies, you know, that's why bands needed record companies to, to, to pay to go in the studio. Uh, and the technology has made it so people can make uh, records in their garages or in their bedrooms. And, and, and recording is, you know, the, the price of, of a laptop and, and, you know, a couple microphones and some software. So that's a lot easier. It's also a lot easier to get your music out there now because you don't need a record company to get it up on the internet or get it on Spotify or, or wherever. Um, so in a lot of ways that there's a lot more music coming out, you know, I, I, I often say there used to be like every year, there'd be like a hundred bands that would sell a million records. Now there's a million bands that sell a hundred records. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, has your, has your music like a uh, taste changed over the years? I feel like, uh, I feel like people say that all the time, like not necessarily like drifted from the core of what you love. But uh, there's like an old joke, like uh, when you're young, you hate country. And then when you're six years old, you love country music or something like that. But has your taste like kind of grown over the years, especially with, like you said, the advanced technology and music kind of growing, you know, as a whole and whatnot? Absolutely. And it, it, it's funny that you say country because as I've gotten older, I, I do. I, I've gone backwards, you know, instead of, you know, I sound like an old man, but I don't really listen to too much new music or too much new bands uh, I, I i keep going backwards you know i, I go into the 50s country or, or, or even you know older older recordings you know i, I i'm i'm very interested in where 
the music came from. And, and I hate to say it, but rock and roll is no longer the dominant force in, in modern music. You know, hip hop is, has, has for all intents and purposes eclipsed that. And, and rock and roll now is kind of like, it's almost like jazz music was when I was growing up. It's, it's, it's very much a niche kind of a thing rather than, you know, top of the charts, number one everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. I, I don't know why that happened, but it happened quickly. Um, but the, I, the good thing is, like the bands that are rock and roll around, they have such a cult like like following. Like they, if you are a good rock and roll band, you, you're not you're not worried about not selling out places. It might not be huge arenas, but you're definitely getting like um. Me and my friends we're gonna go watch a Greta Van Fleet show in Anaheim here soon, and I mean they're they're selling out everywhere, and they're just young kids, and they're just doing core rock and roll. And the, the Black Keys have no problem selling out places, but mm-hmm. said the culture is is more fixated on hip hop, and it probably for the for you know for the for the future. I don't see it changing anytime soon. But it is funny you mentioned old time country. I got into that a little bit later too. Um, I really liked uh there was a TV show that came out where they played a excerpt of uh Tom T's Hall Tom T Hall's. That's how I got to Memphis. I never heard mm-hmm. that song. It was a couple years ago, and. Ever since I've been in love with that song, and it, went, it took me back to like Hank Williams and Willie Nelson, and it's just it's good shit, man. It really is. But I think you have to get a little older, a little bit more mature to really enjoy it. Like I, I knew at the time you would have showed me when I was fifteen. I was like, get the fuck out of here. I want to hear, this. I want to hear Black Sabbath, and I want you know, and I want to hear Zeppelin, and I want to hear Metallica. But, um, man, it's good shit. Oh yeah, no, it, it it's uh, three chords in the truth they say, and it's just uh, you know you feel it, and and it's authentic and it's genuine and. I don't know. New country doesn't doesn't move me, and new new rock. I don't. I guess I I, I don't hear a lot of it, so I, I don't. I'm not exposed to a lot of it, and I don't seek it out either. But uh, but I'll listen to old records all day long. Hell yeah, yeah. That's the that's the weird part about it is you have to seek it out as to where opposed when you guys were coming up that didn't have to you didn't have to do that at all. Like if you were a good band, you were on the radio, and it, you had well, tons of exposure. Well, we were again. We were lucky, and 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 you know. Uh, it's easy to say that, but there were a lot of bands that never got out of the garage and a lot of really talented guys that I know personally that, you know, I thought were, were as good or better than, than me, you know, uh, than us, but we were just really lucky. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, like I said, there's a million bands putting out their records on the internet and, and, and it's just changed the way things, the way things are consumed. You know, there's also a lot more, different things competing for people's attentions, whether it's video games or, or, or streaming services. You know, when I was growing up, they didn't even have videotape yet. It was, it was uh, cassettes that were just coming out and eight track tapes and out and, and, and vinyl. And, and that was the only, aside from books, that was the only thing you could, you know, build your own little library of was, was out, was, was music. And now, but at the same time, you could only, hold so much and a record store could only hold so many albums now with the internet you can listen to anything everything you know you, you can find all those old country records whereas you you would only be able to maybe find the best of hank williams or something you know or johnny cash's greatest hits or something but right. but now you can listen to every song johnny cash ever recorded every you know i i have a box set of, of hank williams that's just the complete everything you know radio performances and outtakes and stuff it's just everything is available now that that used to be hard to find 
I don't know why that makes it cheaper for me though. I don't I don't enjoy it when it's so easy to have. Like I I enjoy the process of going to a record store. I like seeing what new records they got. I like having to take care of it, make sure I don't scratch it. it for some reason, it makes the music more valuable to me. Like and I like the delayed gratification of starting from the beginning and then flipping it over to side B. It's to me, it's it it really makes you cherish every part of the record. Like and I know that in advance, so I don't even. I'll have streaming services if I need to for oh, whatever, having a party or some shit, or I got to go to work. But when I want to listen to music, I don't fuck around. I put the record on or and I put the CDs, whatever, and it's the most enjoyable process ever. I I hope more people would try to do that. And it seems like it's turning around a little bit. Like record stores are starting to, especially in the, within the last five years, they've turned it around. I mean, uh, one of my favorite ones is a small little place in Fulton, but Black Hole Records, I go there all the time. Um, and this Bill, kind of Bill is a Bill is a good friend, and uh, he 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 does a good job. Uh, it, it's sad to say, but when I moved out here uh, in the Whittier Fullerton area, there there had to be twenty record stores. Now there's Black Hole Records, yeah, and there's one up in Whittier Uptown called Levels, and that's it. You know, you got to go to Los Angeles to go find you know, and there are some really good record stores like uh, Amoeba is really cool, and, and and you know, a couple other little ones, uh, but yeah, they're, they're a lot harder to find record stores too. You know, they were everywhere. Absolutely. And, uh, it, it, I don't know. I have I have mixed feelings because you're you're absolutely right. There is something to do with with playing a record and taking it out of and you know the big sleeve and the, and and the artwork and the record itself but i think i have a, a you know a love of it because that's what i grew up with i don't know i think there's a whole new generation of kids who never played a record or, or who 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 will never play a record or never put a cd in a machine you know they're they're just they're 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 being introduced to music the way it's you know on Spotify or whatever, and that's all they'll ever do, or YouTube or whatever, and that's yeah. the only way they'll. But at the same time, it enables them to discover old bands, and I find a lot of young fans listening to cool old music that they never would have been exposed to in the old days. You know, right? Yeah, no, that's very true. I think a lot of it has to do with your folks too. Like my folks played music around us all the time, so it wasn't like a something that they weren't shy it wasn't like if we played anything from them they're like this is shit i'll show you music and then they put on some good stuff i'm like oh crap this is good um, oh yeah no parents and older brothers and sisters too had a lot to do with it back then yeah yeah absolutely and that, that's kind of faded away for sure and then you got to have some sort of natural inclination like i my folks don't they didn't know how to play uh, music at all like instruments nothing and they still wouldn't even try but for me it was just i gotta learn how to do that i don't care what it takes i remember the first the first reason I wanted to was Eruption Van Halen. I was like, I'm never going to get to that level, but I got to, I got to learn how to like hold a guitar like that and just look cool. I just wanted to fucking rock. That's it. Mm -hmm. uh, but that stuff, it comes natural too. Like your natural passion for, for that and wanting to go to fucking record stores and, and search them out. And, and I would go to Santa Fe Springs swap me just for a dollar, watch cover bands. It was, it was worth it. It was just like, this is amazing. It's a dollar. And you're watching this like there's not the real guys i don't care this is amazing it was awesome no it's yeah no those were the first few bands that i saw were just local bands cover bands they blew me away though absolutely like, wow i want to i gotta do that man that's so cool <laughs> so mr reason tell me what's next for the band i know you guys just had a show um last week right we did we played in uh, uh costa mesa and we have another show coming up at the end of October. With uh, we're playing with the the former members of Oingo Boingo. Oh um, no way! Yeah, we're playing in San Diego with them at a place called Humphreys. 
And then after that, we have a little time off. I, I don't know what we're going to be doing next year, but we don't have anything on the schedule for the first time in I don't know how long. You know, we, we've been working steady since we got back together uh, in 2003. We had stopped the band in the, in the mid-90s, and then VH1 had this show called Bands Reunited, and they kind of show up and ambush you and say, hey, you want to get back together with your old band? And we were <laughs> like, sure. So we, we did that in 2003, and we've been together ever since. Yeah, for those of you who don't know that uh, that VH1 Bands Reunited, it's on YouTube and it's awesome. It's about thirty minutes long, and it's worth every minute of your time. It is very cool. They do really ambush you. Like you could tell it's not fake. <laughs> they really. Oh just no, they just showed up. I was in my garage. I had no shirt on. I was embarrassed <laughs> as all hell. I was like, "You got to wait till I go get a shirt, man. This is totally uncool." I was because the, I was waiting for a phone call because they set me out. They're like, "Okay, we're gonna call you at this time," and then. All of a sudden, there's cameras and uh, you know a whole crew showing up in my in I'm in my garage in, in you know in my shorts and no shirt and uh, yeah I was embarrassed as hell but at the same time I, I greatly appreciate the fact that they got us back out there and and we've been working steady for 19 years now friggin awesome yeah I, I thought it was a uh, one of my favorite parts is when um uh your late drummer R.I.P is uh when he's like i haven't played in like 13 years and then he came in and just, like as soon as you guys opened up with anything you just nailed it it was like that's awesome man yeah, that was really cool to see oh yeah all those songs you know i mean you could wake any of us you know drag us out of bed in the middle of the night and say you gotta play these songs you know and you you know how to do it you know you never forget it's like riding a bicycle that's awesome that's way too cool well uh mr easel it's it's uh it's been a great time you know I've, i always like to do these uh interviews what i do is i don't do longer than like 30 45 minutes mostly because you know there's a thousand podcasts out there you know i'm mm. not i'm not trying to be joe rogan and take everyone's time and do two hours but uh if i can capture everyone's attention for a brief 30 45 minutes and and get the best out of people man that's that's the way i like to do it and it's it's been an honor well likewise danny thank you so much for having me on and uh yeah i'm, I'm always happy to to, to to you know to have the opportunity to 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 to, to, sh to sh spread the word um and yeah our new album our newest album color tv is available for free on spotify and youtube and if you want to buy it you can you can there, there's ways to buy you know there's vinyl and there's cds and stuff but uh you can listen to it for free so go check it out awesome and uh the date for your next show sir uh october 29th at humphreys in san diego hell yeah what what, what day is that do you know by any chance i think it's a saturday night all right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll yeah, be Bo there, Boingo Boingo Halloween. They go together, so it, it'll be a good show. Oh, definitely. No, we'll definitely be there to go support. That'd be a fun ass show to be at. Thanks, Dan. Absolutely. This has been Alternate Take. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with the lead singer of Drama Rama, Mr. John Eastdale. Thanks for stopping in, sir. Really appreciate. It was a fucking great time, man. And um, for all of you. Uh, Dramarama fans out there, all you marks, I fucking put all the Dramarama links in the podcast scripts, including the link to the concert tomorrow with The Missing Persons and Oingo Boingo. And like I said, I'll be at the show. So if you see me, say hello. Uh, buy me a drink. Don't be fucking cheap, man. And that's it, man. I ain't got shit else to say. So thanks for stopping in. Thanks for listening. I always appreciate it. This has been Alternate Take. I am Danny Rodriguez. I'll see you guys later. Peace.